Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Well, we are in for a treat this morning. Yay! We've got Scotty Young. Scotty and Leanne are vineyard pastors from Grace Vineyard in Christchurch. They're one of the campus pastors down there. We've known these guys for like, I don't know, a couple of decades. Makes us sound quite old, doesn't it? Um, but we just love these guys. We love their heart. They've already sewn in to our church uh, yesterday. Um, Leanne was our guest speaker when all of our Coast Kids team got together in the morning and some of our wired leaders as well. And she spent like three hours just, just sharing her heart and, and equipping people and calling people into the joy of like investing in our children. And then Scotty got together last night with Olivia and some of our youth leaders and uh, Josh, who's up there with them at the moment as well. He's serving down with them at Grace. And uh, just the three of them, they're just incredibly generous hearted people who have faithfully served the Lord and his people for a long time. Like you guys stepped into all this. Like you started leading like just about as soon as you came to faith, wasn't it? Yeah, in his teens. So yeah, so you're going to love Scotty. And uh, why don't we give him a very warm coast welcome. Not that you need it. Well, we always need it, right? Always need it. Always prayer. need it. Absolutely. Well, Lord, we want to thank you for Scotty and for Liam, but Lord, for him this morning as he brings your word to us, I pray that you would just be near to him, that you would speak to him and through him to us, Lord, that we would have tender and open hearts to be able to receive your word from him this morning. Thank you for him. Bless him in Jesus' name. Well, it's been great. Over the years, I've been able to see snapshots of Coast Vineyard in action as we've come up and uh, walked alongside Matt and Jacinda. These guys are real legends to us. They've blazed a bit of a trail over the last seven years, but way before that, actually, with their experience and faith and leadership, have helped guide us, give us wisdom and input and encouragement at crucial times in our lives. And I really want to honor Matt and Jacinda um, for who they are, not just what they do, if you know what I mean, and how important that is. And so I wonder if even as a whānau, we could just honor them and just say thank you so much for... For going the way and showing the way, right? You know, something we can all follow. And I also just want to highlight my man, Josh Bush. Jump to your feet, Josh. Let's give this man a round of applause. I want to honor him for his single status. You'll find him on Instagram and Facebook, Josh Bush. Uh, all the single ladies, there you go. He's going to love me for that later. Josh is a great man, heads up our young adults ministry, and uh, it's been a real privilege to walk alongside him in his single singleness. Did I mention that? <laughs> I did. Cool. Um, well, it is really great to be among you know friends and Fano in the Vineyard Movement. Uh, it's a really precious tribe to us, and uh, not the churches are tribal, but just that sense of um, being able to walk with family, and it's so neat to come into here and just feel like family straight. I've been really warmly welcomed in this morning, so thank you to all of you who, not knowing who I was, uh, you know, had a bit of cordial with me and made me feel at home. I just think that's amazing. Um, and it's so neat to see uh, kind of what's happening. So as Jacinda said, uh, I am Scotty, and I was born and raised in a, um, in a little suburb in South Auckland, actually, called Christchurch. 
<laughs> um, I've said that every time I come here. I don't know for those of you that have been around, that's my opening line each time. And, uh, but it's, I've always loved Auckland. Um, it's, a, it's a place that I just so enjoy visiting, mostly for the people and connections up here that have led and guided me over these years. Uh, you know, I've got some uh, faces that I've known here. Simeon here. Simeon is a man that um, I did youth ministry alongside in different parts of the country, but kind of shoulder to shoulder. Uh, as he was a youth pastor at St. Paul's. And so neat to kind of, you know, to see and meet people over the years. Just when I come up to Auckland, my heart just opens up. I'm just like, God, this is a place full of amazing things where God is at work. And, um, and it's a treasure to be a part of it. I just, you know what, as we were in worship, I couldn't help, just like Jacinda, think of the time when I came to faith and actually just struck by that and felt just this, just God impressing that on my heart as I was in worship. And I want to share with you really quickly my experience in finding Jesus because I was a really messy 16-year-old boy, and I hadn't been in church, and I got invited along to a church just like this in so many ways, and I believed it. You know, I really enjoyed what I was seeing, and, I, and in my heart, I believed that there was a God. I wasn't sure that his name was Jesus and that I could know him like some people were talking about, but I believed, and I was there in the, in the meeting, and at the end of the meeting, this man stood up, and he said, you know, tonight you can become a follower of Jesus Right now, you can do this thing. You can choose to, to invite him in to be the leader, the Lord of your life, to be your savior, to rescue you from your sin, from the stuff where you've just turned away from God. And in my heart, I'm like, I want this, but I was smart. I wanted it when I was old and haggard. I wanted it when I was ready on my terms to give over because I believed that following Jesus was actually it was actually a, diff, a, a road where I'd have to give up all the good things in life. And so I thought, I'm going to go out in my genius plan as a 16-year-old where I'm going to party. I'm going to live it up. And then when I'm really, really old and life is at its end when I'm 40, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. Didn't we all think that when we were 16? I'm going to come back into this church thing, and I'm, then I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And um, I thought, brilliant plan, Scotty. And so I stood up. And it was right in the middle of the altar call. I stood up. I don't know that people thought I was going to come up or whatever. Other people were responding to this thing of coming forward to the altar, you know, to come forward to Jesus, to, to give over your life. And I walked out that door. And just like this place, that door leads to the toilets or the foyer or for coffee or whatever. And so as I was walking out, I got to the door at the same time as another guy who had locked eyes with me. And he met me at the door. And he didn't know me. And he gave me what's called a word of knowledge. He, he was in the congregation, and as I was thinking up my genius plan, the Lord was speaking to him about my stupid plan. <laughs> and he spoke to him, he told, the Lord told this guy, Dean, I discovered his name was, what was going on in my head. And he said to Dean, and Dean said this to me at the door, at the back of the church, I believe you've got two choices. One is to walk out these doors, and one is to give your life to Jesus. And I want to let you know that God has spoken to me about this, and he's telling me to tell you that the decision you make from tonight is going to be permanent. There's no going back. What do you want to do? And I just, like for starters, God was a long way off and he was an idea. I could not believe. Like right in that, that was my saving moment. I'm like, God knows what's going on in my head. You know, he's that close. Could he really be that close? And I responded and I came up the front of the church and I remember it because it was this breaking point. As a 16-year-old boy, thought he was so incredibly cool, but was such a messy and lost little dude. Got on his knees. I literally got on my knees because I was crying so hard. I just wept and I wept. And I mean, ugly, ugly, ugly crying. 
the kind you don't want to do in front of your mates when you're 16, like, at all. I had racing strut. I got three boys, you know, and you know when kids cry and the snot starts flowing, you know. And I call it, call it racing stripes. I just two lines, you know, down my face, like, ah! And this moment of just, and, I, and, and the experience was one of just freedom. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm accepted, you know, I'm loved. And I was saved not only into relationship with Jesus, which, we, which the Bible tells us, but I was saved into a relationship with his family. And I want to say thank you to every single person in this church that looks over their shoulder and cares about the next generation. Because I had people in my life that looked over their shoulder and cared about me. I had people that looked out for me when I was uh, coming to faith, because that was the moment of decision, but that year was a coming to faith year. I think I'm still coming to faith. Anyone else? (sighs) And that year when I was drunk up a tree, yelling at people as they were going into church, they didn't reject me. They didn't push me away. They welcomed me, helped me down out of the tree. They talked me down, they talked me out of the funk that I was in as a 16-year-old mess, and they nurtured me. And I just want to honor every person that's willing to nurture and put up with the mess of people that are coming to faith in Jesus, because it's messy, right? And it's not always neat and tidy and straightforward, and sometimes you'll have teenagers drunk up a tree, yelling at you as you come to church, and can you see past that? Can you see past that to, to um, give a hide in mind, to give a, a welcome to those, those ones that desperately need people to notice and care? I wasn't just saved into, into a relationship with Jesus. I was saved into a community of faith. And so my passion for the church comes from my experience of a grace-filled community. And I want to invite you to that, to not just see yourselves as coming on a Sunday, but invite you to consider the part you play in a grace-filled community that has open hearts to the weird ones, open arms to welcome them, to hide in my open doors to your homes, because that's part of it, to welcome people in, to make room for those that are on the edge, that are coming in, that Jesus sees, that his heart is for and towards, and to position yourself in that same way. Is that cool? All right, I didn't intend to start with that. Today I wanted to talk about hope, um, but I feel like that's just... Um, that's, that was just what was on my heart as we were in worship, that there's something here of a, of, a, of a movement of people that are invited to be a grace-filled community to see the lost saved and find their faith and place in a community, faith in Jesus and place in, in the Christian story. Eh? Actually, I'm going to pray for you for that. I'm going to stop, drop, and pray for that. Hey, Jesus, thank you so much that you saved me. Thank you, Jesus, for your incredible grace that was extended to a messy kid that um, enabled me to find life in you and life in your church family. And Lord, I pray for each person here. And if you, if you want to receive this, I just encourage you to put your hand over your heart. Just say, just as a statement, Lord, this is me. Lord, that you would enable this community be a, to be a grace-filled community. Lord, that you would invite each person to recognize the part that they have to play and sing, hide am I to the lost. Welcome, welcome home. Thank you, Jesus. Bless this crew. Hey, um, I want to talk about hope uh, because hope is a is a kind of a, a bit of an ambiguous word in the English language. You know, it might mean a kind of a confidence and um, or an e- a confident expectation. The dictionary would tell us there's some cool biblical meaning behind the word hope. And when we read through the scriptures and we see a, 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 what the scriptures have to say about hope, and uh, as the, as the as God's people understood it to be, there's something rich for us. And I think in today's society. Uh, we need 
as followers of Jesus to be communicating the great hope that we carry, the great hope that we hold to um, more than ever. Because this world is in dire need of a greater hope than financial security, of a greater hope than uh, romance, and, you know, a much greater hope than just having some good mates around you, but a hope that is eternal, a hope that is now and to come and is only found in Jesus. I got rung by um, uh, McDonald's one day. I'd entered a competition. Who are the guys, who are the people here that just love entering every, every, any competition you can find yourself? It's scratchies, whatever. But, oh, we're a rare breed. Is it just me? All right, come on, the competition, uh, you know, passionate people. And um, I'd entered a competition at McDonald's. They rang and said, hey, um, Scotty Young. I said, yes, uh, you have won the competition, the McDonald's blah, blah, blah competition. I was like, yes, what does that mean? I have no idea. And they said, you have, and this is where things went weird. They said, you have either won an iPod back in the day, right? Remember those iPods? Yeah, they were cool. They were happening. Yeah, you have either won an iPod or the full Mac suite. Like, these are your options. You, and we, we just need to ring back to confirm which one you've won. And I'm like, brilliant. Hang up the phone. I'm like, man, I really hope I win the Mac suite. <laughs> you know, when you're given the two options that you've won, what are you going for? You're going for the, for the little, you know, $200 device. You're wanting the full $2,000 package. You know, I was so hopeful in that moment that I'd win the full Mac suite. I got rung back about 10 minutes later. Scotty, great news. You've won the iPod. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. Cool. Um, what do you need from me? Details. I was so disappointed. Mental note for anyone running a competition. Do not do it that way. That is a terrible way to give someone the good news that they've won the lesser prize. Um, and so I was bitterly disappointed that I hadn't won the greatest prize, which was the Max Suite. Hope is a weird thing because it can be very circumstantial and we can be left deeply disappointed if our hopes aren't realized. You know, in sometimes significant ways, you know, some of us carry significant hopes. Um, and some of us carry, you know, like vain hopes. Uh, some of us hope that our children won't throw tantrums in the mall. Vain hopes. You know, some of us hope we'll win lotto or that the Warriors might win. You know, these hopes are sort of <laughs> this year, right? Am I right? And, um, you know, we, we carry these vain hopes. It's kind of like, well, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but, you know, we... You know, we delude ourselves. You know, sometimes we carry relational hopes. We hope that our dear friends won't move countries. You know, there's sad times when people leave. It's, you know, it costs us and relationally. We have these hopes that we won't lose friends, that our families might stay connected. We might have hopes that our families don't connect, you know, depending on your family. Uh, we might have national hopes that our country remains COVID-free, right? We're all hoping for that um, and stays a safe and wonderful place to live. We hope maybe for personal change, hope to lose weight or maybe to free ourselves from addiction or breakthrough with depression or maybe anxiety. We have personal hopes that are quite inner hopes that we carry. And sometimes they're not even verbalized, but just something we want, we long for. Um, maybe it's for business success or a life partner like Josh is desperately hoping for. Um, you know, Bill Gates hopes that in science and technology. Oh, he's going to get more... Bill Gates hopes that, in, that, that hope is in science and technology and philanthropy. You know, Elon Musk hopes to colonize Mars. I'm like, come on, let's just fix this planet. Um, you know, every beauty pageant throughout all time hopes for world peace, don't they? Um, you're hoping the sermon doesn't go too long. What are you hoping for else today? You know, what are, where are your hopes? Where are your, you know, where's the longing in you for this season of life that you're in? Because... 
you know, it's, it's an interesting thing when, we, when our hopes aren't realized in what happens inwardly within us. You know, uh, Leanne and I, um, when we first got pregnant, we were, were so excited, as everyone who gets pregnant is. You know, they think, we're going to have a little person just like us. It's going to be amazing. They're going to be incredible. And we have no idea what we're in for, the joy and the suffering, you know, of, of parenting. And, um, and we were just wide-eyed and excited. And, you know, at 13 weeks, you know, sadly, Leanne started, um, started hemorrhaging, and we lost our first pregnancy. And it's funny because we were left with, it's not funny at all, actually. Um, but it's, it's interesting to note, you know, what we were left with was broken hope. You know, it's sort of like nothing changed, you know, much. But our hopes had been dashed. And so we were planning, we dreamed, we started setting up a room. We were thinking about our future differently. And in, in, that, in that week of just like loss, there was some strange grief that we walked through. And, we've still, and we still carry it with us. Isn't it, isn't it an unusual grief to, to lose an unborn child? But it was the loss of hope. It was a loss of a dream. And in that, you know, you know the, the scriptures say so poignantly, you know, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, you know, the hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so we experience with our losses of hope, we, we experience a heart sickness. I just think it's just the wisdom and the truth of life. And whether it's the hope for the Warriors to win, or whether it's the hope for, um, for personal change that you haven't seen, that you're longing for. Um, but the longing, the rest of that passage says, the longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I think one of the secrets to experiencing the tree of life in our lives is um, when we experience the heart sickness of, of a hope deferred, of a hope lost, of, of broken dreams and desires, is that we realign ourselves with the longing of heaven because one day he is going to make all things new. And we hold fast to that hope that one day Jesus, the one who went before us, resurrected life, tangible flesh and blood, eating and drinking, at the, at, by the lake with your mates, Jesus, in resurrection life, they said, this is our hope, this is our future, this is what's to come for you, this is the promise of heaven for us, that as we, as we have our, our hopes and dreams in this life sometimes mismet, you know, where we experience loss, we don't get the things that we desire or seek, even when they're good, even when they're beautiful, that we hold on to the hope that is the tree of life that can never be taken away from us. And that there, I have discovered, and my walk has been a foundation that when everything else can get torn down and does get sometimes get torn down in our lives through loss of friends or family members or dreams, whatever it might be, that if our foundation is our hope that we have in Jesus, then, that, then, then we can stand strong even amidst the losses, even amidst the battles. And it's not easy, and there's body blows and the process aren't there. Anyone over 30, nod your head. <laughs> you know this to be true. Anyone over 20, you know, like we, we walk this through. This is our reality that life is not all unicorns and rainbows. So be encouraged. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let's look, at, let's look at some scriptures together. Psalm 71 verses 5. This is, you know, the, king, the, the, the psalm of King David. He's singing out, For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord. You know, as he experienced enemies against him, boy, he's, he waxes lyrical, man. He's like a lyrical gangster in Psalms, isn't he? He's like all about this difficulty, the difficulty, tr- the strife, the pain that he experiences. But you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I've relied on you. You brought me forward from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. 
I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. He's, got, he's talking about this foundational place that when things and the storms come, he's standing on a foundation of hope in, in the Lord. Proverbs 24, verses 14. Eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also, in this parallel, you know, you've got this metaphor of honey, that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is a future hope for you. And your hope will not be cut off. This is the promise of the, of the wisdom literature, of the wisdom book for us, that our hope will not be cut off. Now, the word hope in Hebrew is a really cool word. It's pronounced tikvah. It's a fun word to pronounce. And it quite literally can be translated as rope. I want you to remember this. Hope is a rope. Can you say that with me? Hope is a rope. Something to hold on to that is steadfast and strong. In the book of Joshua, you find the story of Joshua preparing to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And he sends in the spies. And anyone that's read this passage in the book of Joshua, you'll know it. You'll be familiar with the story. And the spies find um, favor in the house of Rahab, a prostitute. And she asks them to spare her, to remember them. Because they're looking at being occupied. And they're like, will you remember us? Will Will you spare us as a family? And the spies say this, we shall be free from this oath unless when we come into the land, like we, we promise we will, but unless if we come into the land and you tie this cord of scarlet thread, tikvah, in the window. So quite literally, if you, this, this cord of scarlet thread was a tikvah in the Hebrew. This, this hope that you would let us down and gather into the house of your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. The spies kept their word and spared Rahab and her family. It was a scarlet, a red cord, a tikvah. Jesus came to give us this hope. You know, it's been said that as we look at the, at, the, at the story of Rahab and the spies, that that scarlet cord is symbolic. That in the Israelite story, that that had rich meaning. And that we see a parallel in Jesus and his blood poured out for us. This crimson, this crimson hope that we can hold to, that we can discover in him. You know, the Bible doesn't say that we have hope because of Jesus. The Bible t- teaches us that Jesus is our hope. That his life, his resurrected life, his reality here and now with us, for us, is our hope and for our future. Matthew 12, verses 16 to 21 says, Here is my servant whom I've chosen in his name. The nations will put their hope. Now, we see in the Easter story, you guys have probably just journeyed through this, a moment when Jesus, before his crucifixion, where Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And as he comes into Jerusalem, he's celebrated. You know, there's cloaks on the ground. There's the, there's the, um, the, um, the, the palm branches. There's him riding on a donkey to fulfill prophetically uh, what's to, what Jesus is doing. And so as they go along, the disciples went and did Jesus as instructed them to pick up this colt. They brought a donkey to him, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut the branches from trees, spread them across the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted. I mean, this is a pretty high point in Jesus' story. They shouted out, Hosanna to the Son of David. This word means the one that rescues. Israel 
had been in a position of silence for, prophetically for around 400 years. They hadn't heard from a prophetic voice. And along comes John the Baptist, then Jesus. And as he, as he comes into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, there's this triumphant moment where these people have placed their hope in a Messiah, a rescuer, Hosanna to come and to save them from what? To save them from Roman occupation. To, to restore Israel back to its former glory. And so they, they had started to believe that Jesus might be this rescuer, this one to place their hope in. And they called it out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus entered Jerusalem, Hosanna in the highest heaven. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They were so excited to be rescued from Roman occupation. They had hope in Jesus, but their hope got deferred that week. <laughs> Things unfolded where Jesus didn't come through in the way that they wanted him to come through. And one week later, they were killing their hope because it was deferred. It was this, it's like in their pain, in their anguish, like, oh, he's not the one. Like, not only is he not the one, how dare he have claimed to be the one? And they butchered him. They killed the Messiah because of their misplaced hope. You know, Richard... Richard Wurmbrandt experienced the pain of life. He was a, um, a Romanian priest in the World War II era. And he's written some fabulous books, most known for, I've only read two, but um, most known for one of his books, Tortured for Christ. Has anyone here read that book? And said, oh, a few of you guys, fantastic. And in his book, he describes the conditions of his 18-year imprisonment. He was in prison for 25 years, uh, sentenced to 25 years in prison for 18, tortured horrifically. Uh, you know, solid, he, he was given the worst of the, of, of the, that, the, that the communist Romanian regime could throw at him. Solitary confinement, brutal beating. That he, he describes having the soles of his feet beaten until they got to the bone. And then the next day they would beat the soles of his feet again. And he said in the book, there was no words to describe the pain that I experienced in those torture chambers. He also writes that there were moments of joy that he experienced in his prison cell, of such ecstasy that he said that if he didn't dance and give expression to his joy, he would explode. Isn't that incredible? We see this in Acts 16, verses 22 to 25. Paul and Silas, their hope, their rope was not, that they were holding to, was not in freedom. You know, Richard Wurmbrand's hope wasn't in freedom. It was in Jesus. And when his freedom was taken, he still experienced joy. Incredible what he had in the Lord. You know, don't you hope? Don't you hold on to if we are struck with those kind of conditions that we could experience the joy that those that have gone before us have experienced in Jesus? That we would be that foundationally secure in what we've found in him? Acts 16 verses 22 to 25. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. That's no fun. I bet no one has experienced that. Probably my mum's wooden spoon is the closest I've ever been to that. Um, after that, it was okay back then. <laughs> Young people, I know you're horrified. It was totally normal. <laughs> and I'm fine to this day, I promise you. Um, they were severely flogged, thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were licking their wounds and feeling sorry for themselves. Is that what it says? No. Oh, you guys know your Bibles. 
About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God. <laughs> this is incredible. They were having a worship time. And the other prisoners were listening to them, naked, bruised, broken, beaten, up late, probably blimmin' cold, bound. And they are, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. <laughs> you know, incredible what these guys had found because their hope wasn't in freedom. Their hope was in what they just watched. You know, these guys had, had just witnessed and experienced and seen their suf- the suffering servant. Their theology was not around a prosperity doctrine, guys. Their th- theology was not as God is going is to make me wealthy, happy, and strong. Their theology was we've just watched God in the flesh get annihilated by humanity. And he beat it. And he said, that's for us. And so they were fearless. Because of what they'd seen. It's like you cannot, it's like Dietrich Bonhoeffer before he's executed. He's like, you can take away, you know, strip naked, but he still had Jesus. You know, people that have gone before us in our Christian tradition, and I think we're a little bit numb to it because we're in our Western comfortable context and we can become so accustomed to this. But that actually, the people that have gone before us in the Christian tradition and our, our faith legends have had a foundation that it's not about my comfort, even my well being. It's like, isn't this incredible? Oh, Lord, would you give us, would you gift us this kind of faith? Would you bring us back to that foundation that we would find that we have got you and our hope is in you with us, your presence. It's the only thing that can't be taken from us, guys. Now and forever. This is the beautiful hope that we hold to. Our hope is a rope. About midnight, they were singing and praying hymns to God. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. Salvation was the result of that. <laughs> incredible, incredible stuff. You know, I, you know, we can place our hope in all sorts of things, as I talked about earlier. I remember a moment at 19, I, I strutted into my boss's office. Has anyone ever done that? I was 19, and I've been working there a year, and it was my performance review. And I'm like, I'm worth it. You know, I had this attitude. I'd been festering for about eight, six months listening to the conversations around the smoker room table, and guys were talking about how they weren't getting paid enough, and I'm like, yeah, we're not getting paid enough, and I'm worth more than this, you know, having a, sort of just getting into a negative space, and I was buying into this that we don't have enough culture, you know, that, it, that the problem in my life is that I'm not paid enough, and who knows that's, that's sometimes the case, and sometimes actually the problem in life is our own discontent, dissatisfaction, our own greed, our own whatever, you know, like there are, there, are two, there, are, there are lines, trust me, where people need to be lifted out of poverty, I know that. But there are lines when we cross it and we are just pursuing something and looking for something that is just not going to give us what we desire. And I was going into that office in that negative space. And I said to my boss, I did not need a pay rise as a 19-year-old. I wasn't on good money, but I didn't need it. I'm just like, I just had my snowboard, I was good. And, um, and so I go into my boss's office, and, I, and I say, he's like, how do you think you're doing? I'm thinking I'm doing good. He's like, I think you're doing good, too. And I said, look, I, I think I actually, um, I can't remember the words he used, but the gist of it was, I deserve more. You know, I need more money, mate. Like, you, I think you can pay me a lot more. I'm worth it. And, um, and as I said it, I felt a little bit sick in my tummy. And I've learned since then that's called discernment. <laughs> I'm a little bit slow about this stuff. And I, as I walked out of the office, I think I got like 25 cents in our pay rise, and I, was, and I was like, that is rubbish, you know, in my head. I walked out of the office, and I felt the Lord, because I'd learned how to hear His voice by this point, I felt the Lord saying to me in that sickness of my tummy, and in my head, I don't want you to ever do that again. And I was like, like, ever? <laughs> ever? You know, like, 
when do you, you know, when do I kind of, when do I come back at this? And I've never felt released to ask for a pay rise since. And the Lord settled something in my 19-year-old life, working as a sheet metal engineer in a factory with a whole bunch of guys, 50 other guys, tradesmen, you know, apprentices. I did a diploma in production engineering to never ask for a pay rise. And I never went without because my wife knows how to budget. And she taught me the ways of budgeting. And so we learned at, a, at that age how to make our money go well, how to make our money go further, how to save well, be really studious, how to, how to be careful with money. We learned how to be resourceful. And that set me up to a life without lack, but also without the angst of always wanting more. And I'm forever grateful that the Lord spoke into my heart and my tummy um, at, that, at that performance review. Because I, I just, that kind of killed my hope for financial you know, increase and more and more. There was something about that I think the Lord that was gracious for me. And that's not for you. Everyone's got their own journey here, right? And there are times where it's really appropriate to ask for pay rises. But for me and what the Lord has done in me and my story, that was what he's done in me. You know, we place our hope in all sorts of things. And I want to invite you to place your hope in the rope of Jesus Christ now and forever. To recapture it. Because over our life, we say yes to Jesus. And we, we, you know, we sing songs. Some of you may. If you're, if you're over 30, you may have sung songs like, We enthrone you, Jesus. We place you in the highest place. We sung today, didn't we? You know, this, did we? Yeah, we did. It was like, oh, no, remember that one? Um, you know, we're saying we put you in that place of authority and leadership and lordship where you get to have your say, and I trust you, and I'm going to follow that leading, and I'm going to believe that you know better than me, Lord, because you're the creator of all things, and you have my best interests at heart, but sometimes my best interests are not what I want. Who knows that? And so we put him and we enthrone him. And sometimes Kiwi Saver becomes our Lord. And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, 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 going up the hierarchy at work becomes our Lord. And we sacrifice and we give everything for that end. And Jesus is dethroned in our life. We've still got the Christian badge, but we dethrone him. We say, uh, you know, if, you know we, 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 sometimes children can become our Lord. I know it's, it's sadly tr- seems to be a, a cultural norm that when people have kids these days, they can't make it to anything anymore. You know, it's like we have kids, so therefore we don't do anything. Now, I know that there are complicating situa- complicated situations. There are times when you need to rest as a parent. There are times you need to pull back. But there is also a danger that we allow our children to lead our lives. You know, we've got to make sure that, that we just temper that a little bit. <laughs> Jesus is still on the throne of our lives, that he stays in that place of being our Lord. If our hope is in him, you know, do we hope in our children? You know, children... Children can die. If children are our rope of hope for our future, I know people that have lost their kids. I have a dear friend who's a missionary. She lost her only child, Judah. He was a good mate of ours. She went away overseas on on mission field. And on her birthday, of all the cruelty of cruelties, on her birthday, Judah, my youth leader, good friend of ours, had dinner with us every week, uh, passed away in a motorbike accident. I had to take his funeral. It was brutal. She is one of the most joy-filled ladies I know. Still. She still is out on the mission field. Does she grieve hard? Yes. Every time we meet, we cry together a bit. It's painful. It's brutal. But her hope, her rope for her future is still Jesus. I'm saying this all to say, I just think there's so much that we need to come back to in our faith. 
It's not about how good things are around us and when life is all, all rainbows and unicorns. This is, not a, this is not one of those messages you come away from necessarily feeling really encouraged. But I hope that you can grab this rope because we are going to be tested in this life. And troubles come our way. Jesus promised this. Check out the prophecies of Jesus. I promise you will have trouble in this life. Who wants to receive that today? Anyone? I receive that promise. Thank you, Jesus. What about, what about the other one that he promises the disciples? It's like... They come to him. He's like, I've got a cup of suffering. They're like, we want to drink that cup. He's like, oh, no, that one's not for you. I've got this one for you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. It's horrible. But we can find, I believe, as I look in the scriptures, rest. We can find overflowing. We can find security and hope. We can find these things. Listen, Acts 26. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. I praise you, Lord. My tongue's like, yes, Lord, you're awesome. I'm so grateful. My body will also rest in hope. Isn't that a great, isn't that a beautiful, this is in the New Testament. My body will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Isn't that wonderful? I'm going to rest in that hope. Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, I will give you rest. Jesus is our rest. He, we find this in this hope of Jesus, we've got rest. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you. <laughs> May the God who is hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him that you may overflow with hope. Isn't that cool? That we would be a people that receive from the Lord. And I think this is something we've got to keep coming back to. Lord, I want to be filled again with your hope. You are the God of joy. You are the God of hope. You are, you've got joy and peace for me. I want to be filled freshly that I might be a person that overflows hope to the world around me. So we can find that we are, we can find rest in hope. We can overflow in hope. Rembrandt overflowed in hope in the worst possible conditions. Paul and Silas overflowed with hope, filled with joy and peace, as naked, beaten in prison. It's bizarre. It offends the mind, doesn't it? This is what we have in Jesus. This is miraculous, isn't it? We can be secure in hope. Hebrews 6 verses 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We can be secure in hope. We can experience security in the hope that we place in Jesus. And John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish, pass away, but they will receive eternal life. For God so loves each and every one of us that he will not let you perish. Anyone who puts their trust in him will receive eternal life. The hope that Jesus offers us is eternal and confident we can be in that hope. So I want to invite us to stand together and I just want to pray that the Spirit of God would, would fill us today in a fresh way with this kind of hope that only Jesus offers us. Now, this is like, I don't know what you guys are used to. I, I, know that, um, I know that Jesus is real. I know the Holy Spirit is here. And he wants to minister, which means he wants to meet with us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to, in a physical terms, I want to, I want to can I demonstrate? Can I invite my wife up here? I'm going to demonstrate. Can you come on up, Flossie? Oh, Josh, come on up. Josh, come on down, buddy. This is your time to shine, man. Let's see this beautiful human being. So muscly, isn't he? <laughs> oh wow. Okay, so when the, when the, this is my this is my experience, but when the Lord ministers to us, 
is that, is that we see throughout Scripture this picture of being filled, and to be filled is the innermost being. Out of us, rivers of living water would flow from within us. That there's this thing of like God isn't just beside us. It's like he, he is like this close. Like he is like, he is like right in there. This is the way that the Holy Spirit wants to minister. It's that rivers of living water would flow from within us. So he wants to fill us and flow from within us. It is an invitation for us to open our hands to the Lord. As an, and this is expressive, right? When, when I go to concerts, I'm like, yeah, my hands are in the air. Sometimes, sometimes, but when, when I want to receive as well, it's not just excitement, it's not just a party, but I want to receive something from the Lord, so I open my hands. And it's, it's, it demonstrates, it's an outward expression of an internal position. It's saying, in my heart, I'm open. Think of it this way, daddy, up daddy. I saw, it, was, it was that little worship, the worship leader today, his little son, up daddy, he's like this. You know, that's the picture of like, this is what, when we invite the ministry of the Spirit to come and fill us, we're saying, up daddy, I want to be, you know, would you meet with me? You know, and if his answer is always yes. Now, this is the nature of, of the Lord Jesus, that when we come to him, is that he responds. You know, it, it, the prodigal son, he responded to a mess. He didn't respond to the, the good, clean son in the house. He challenged him to the prodigal son. He ran to him. His answer is yes. And so we're inviting the, the ministry of the Spirit to be close. I didn't say you could go down, Josh. You need to, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm messing. Um, and so it's, it's an opportunity now to receive from the Lord, to invite that ministry, Him to come close, to fill us. And I'm praying today for people that are struggling with a sense of hopelessness, that today you would receive something of that hope. You know, it may not be perfect tomorrow, but this would begin a, a renewing journey of being filled, that you might rest, find security, a new rest, a new security, maybe a renewed rest or a renewed security and peace and confidence today. So let's just open our hands and heart. We'll leave the band down for a bit, actually. Let's just do this in a wee bit of silence, hey? And say, Jesus, would you, would you fill me afresh? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may overflow. Haere mai wairua tapu. Come, Holy Spirit. there is a longing in you for that kind of secure hope, just tell the Lord, Jesus, I long for that. If you're, nearing the, if you're nearing the end of your life, I don't know where you are today, if you're nearing the end of your life and you've maybe got a terminal diagnosis, but Jesus, this is not the end. Lord, would you bring joy, security in that hope. If you have grief, if your heart's feeling sick from hope deferred, from the pain of body blows of life. Oh, I'm just praying for the comfort of heaven over you right now. Jesus, would you bring your comfort, your kind comfort? Would you wrap, wrap up hearts today? Would you tend to the, the, those, those painful places, Lord, in your mercy? Let's just wait on the Lord to do this work, eh? Thank you, Holy Spirit.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. This isn't about um, about um, me. So I just want us to acknowledge right now. This, if you're sensing the Lord is meeting with you in some way, can you just just raise your hand quietly? Where you are, just if you're being met with by the Lord, oh, lovely to see those hands going up around the congregation. Can we just, what we want to do is just totoku what God is doing. We want to, can you just keep your hand up for me, be a bit brave? And I'm going to invite, if you're a leader of a life group or a prayer team or a, a just a member of the church, <laughs> um, could you just put a hand on the shoulders of those with their hands up? And we're just going to, we're going to get in, in sync with what God is doing right now and just bless that because God is ministering to hearts. And isn't that precious? So hands up if you would like to receive, just have someone stand with you in this moment. We're going to stay in this place and not say anything. It's not an invitation to say anything. There's, there are people with their hands up that don't have hands, people supporting them. If you can just look around and just support them with a hand on their shoulder, just right beside you. All you've got to stand there with your hand on your shoulder. It's just a sense of we are with you and just silently pray over them for them. Just a man in a black shirt just here that no one that um, is, I think his wife might be praying for. Can someone else just gather around him there and just stand with him in prayer? Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jesus. I think there might be someone here too that's just on the um, you know they've heard about Jesus. You're, you're here today and you're interested, but haven't said yes to him being your savior and lord you know jesus rescued us his act on the cross was a rescue mission and he gave his life conquered death that we might be forgiven of all the things we've ever done wrong (laughs) of all our missteps and misguided directions and uh and he rose again defeating the power of sin to to rule over our lives the power of that brokenness that doing life our own way that would, um, that would control us. And he's now inviting you to follow him. And so it's one thing to be to acknowledge that Jesus was our Savior, but he wants to be Lord, not out of an ego trip, because he knows as a father what's good for his children. And he wants to lead your life. And, and if you want to say today, if you've been listening to this and you're like, I think I need to say yes to Jesus, but I haven't really for a while, then I, I just think there's someone here, I just really really feel since this has been you know, sort of pushed on my heart. But if there's someone here that's ready to say yes to Jesus leading their life rather than just doing it all your own way. Can you just be brave with me? Be really brave now. This is a super brave moment. And guys, I'd love you to, to give them a clap when they do this because it's really scary. But would you be brave with me and just put your hand up and say, I'm, I'm wanting today to make Jesus the Lord of my life again or maybe for the first time. Is there anyone here that's in that place that are ready to do that? happy to wait for a little bit. You might have been coming to church for years. I don't know your story. But you know, as we've been talking, that Jesus is not the Lord of your life. And this is a moment to publicly say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to surrender doing life my own way. I'm going to give up chasing and chasing and chasing after the things that aren't going to ultimately save and secure, are not going to bring me rest, are not going to bring me um, the, the, the life that I know is only in Jesus, that I see is only in Jesus. Maybe this is a step of faith to put your hand up, but I'm just going to wait for a little bit longer. So I don't want you to miss out if that's you. Would you be brave and put your hand up with me now? 
It's getting awkward, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is okay with awkward. <laughs> I'm glad people were patient with me. Because it's a wrestle to say yes to Jesus and him leading our lives. And maybe someone's wrestling right now. And I want to give you room with your wrestle to be brave. last call alright it might be too much to do that publicly for you today and that's fine you know he's relentlessly good that Jesus of ours and if you were just burning in your heart while I've been talking about that in that moment I don't I would love to meet you afterwards. Why don't you just say at the end, hey, look, I really wanted my hand up, but I was, I was maybe a bit embarrassed. Or if that's you, then come and see me. I'd love to pray with you and, um, and talk about what it is to make Jesus your Lord and just bless that, you know, just, thank, just, just pray together around that. So why don't we invite the worship band up and, um, and uh, Jacinda's going to close off the service for us. Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.